We spend fifty-five percent of our time in an average day listening, but what are we really doing? Are we attentive, fully present, passive, distracted, waiting until the other person stops talking so we can talk? Our questions this episode: What does it mean to really listen, and how can we become better at it? Welcome to episode forty-three of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo, and I am so glad that you have joined me today. While this podcast is generally focused on the words we say, it's equally important to focus on the way we hear the words of others. My guest today is a coach, author, fellow podcaster, and deep listening evangelist, Oscar Trimboli. As he states on his website, "You see in color, but you listen in black and white. Without any training, you know when someone isn't listening." In this episode, we look at what gets in our way of being good listeners, as well as the antidotes to those challenges. There are so many parts of this conversation that have practical applications, and I'm guessing that even if you feel like you're already a good listener, you are going to hear something of yourself in Oscar's description of the four types of listening gremlins. I know I did, and I admit that right in the episode. So remember to stay with me after the conversation with Oscar for a few quick closing thoughts. And your call to action. Oscar Trimboli is on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. He is an author, host of the Apple Award-winning podcast Deep Listening, and a sought-after keynote speaker. Through his work with chairs, boards of directors, and executive teams, Oscar has experienced the transformational impact leaders and organizations can have when they listen beyond the words. He consults to organizations including Cisco, Google, HSBC, News Corp, PayPal, TripAdvisor, and others, helping them listen to what's unsaid by their customers and employees. Oscar lives in Sydney, Australia, with Jenny, where they help runners and ocean swimmers conquer their fears and contribute to the cure for cancer as part of Can Two, a cancer research charity. If you want to learn more about Oscar and his books, as well as links to the resources that we mentioned in this episode, I invite you to visit the episode webpage at howcanisaythis.com. From there, you can also access past episodes, submit a communication question for reply in a future episode, subscribe, and learn how to leave a review or offer feedback. Hi, Oscar. Welcome to How Can I Say This. I'm delighted to welcome you to the podcast where we can talk about deeper listening. So thanks for being here. G'day, Beth. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to exploring the topic of deep listening, listening to your questions, and listening for what we might sense the audience might be wanting to ask us too. Absolutely. Well, I want to start out with some basics.、Um, you know, we all think we know how to listen. We all think we know what it means, and yet we know that it's a very、um, Robust and deep topics. So, you have a beautiful little book and a set of accompanying cards called Deep Listening. And one of the first things that it says right out the gate says that every human asks to be listened to, yet what they crave most is to be heard. How do you distinguish between listening to someone and hearing them? The distinction is really simple. The listener is there to help the speaker. Make meaning of what they're saying. So the job of the listener isn't to understand or even make meaning of what the speaker's saying for themselves. 
but it's helped the speaker understand how they make meaning from what they're saying. A, a distracted or recreational listener will be mechanical. They'll go through the motions. They'll listen to what the words are. Occasionally they might notice the body language. But a deep, powerful, productive listener will help the speaker come to a completely different insight some really basic neuroscience when it comes to listening. If we remember these three numbers, we speak at 125 words a minute, yet we think at 900 words a minute. So the likelihood that the first thing out of the speaker's mouth is what they're actually thinking, there's a one in nine chance or 11% that what they're saying is what they're thinking. And when you hear somebody, you hear what they're thinking. So I don't know about you, Beth, but if, if you went to a surgeon and they said to you, great news, Beth, you got 11% chance of surviving this surgery, you'd get a second opinion. But very few of us as listeners ask the person to explore what other opinions they have in their own head. And yet when you do, they use these magic phrases. They say words like, well, actually, or they'll take in a really deep breath and say, <laughs> you know what I haven't told you that's really important? Or they'll say, hmm, thinking about it a little bit longer, what we should be talking about is, and everybody right now is probably nodding. As I am. <laughs> as they're thinking about times where this, this has been true for them as a listener, but equally true for them as a speaker. The reason we get distracted as listeners is that, while you're speaking at 125 words a minute, we can listen at up to 400 words a minute. So we're programmed to be distracted. There's another 300 words we're trying to fit into our mind while I'm speaking too slowly. In fact, it's happening to you right now, whether you're walking, jogging, commuting, making dinner, while you're listening to this interview, it's happening to you right now. And the difference between a distracted listener and a deep listener isn't that a deep listener doesn't get distracted. They do. They just notice when they're distracted faster and get back into the conversation quicker. That makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, so was it happening to you, Beth, while we were chatting? Well, not not in this moment, but since I knew we were having this conversation, I've just been noticing my own listening mm. and even when I devoted myself, like say I'm, I'm walking the dog and I have my AirPods in and I'm listening to a podcast mm. and, um, and I find, you know, maybe three or four minutes has gone by and I haven't heard a word of what's been said. <laughs> yeah. And I notice that and bring myself back and I'll hit rewind, you know, perhaps thank goodness for that little uh, 30 second rewind button on our little uh, devices. Um, Apparently on an AirPods, you can double tap on one of them and it'll go back 30 seconds too. Oh, see, I should do that too. That would save <laughs> me from taking it out of my pocket. <laughs> but, but my point is just that, you know, even when we have set an intention to listen, to try to make meaning of what someone else is saying, whether it's for ourselves or for them, we're only human and we get distracted. And what I hear is that it's about how... Part of, part of our evolution of becoming a better listener is being able to recognize that more quickly and bring ourselves back. Yeah, listening happens at the, at the front of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. 
which is the least developed but what you would call the thinking part of the brain. So mm. that part of the brain has a very uh, defined area of attention and it's very easy to get distracted because your attention in, in those complex cognitive tasks like listening. See, I don't know about you, Beth, but when I went to school, I had a, a teacher who taught me math. I had a teacher who taught me English. I had a teacher who taught me geography. Um, but, but we didn't have a listening teacher at school. You probably did in the US though, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and yet it's the task we spend more than half of our day doing. The more senior you are in an organization or the more customer facing you are in an organization, the more time percentage wise of your day you're going to spend listening. So on average, we spend 55% of our day listening hmm. at home, at work and in the workplace. The more senior you are, if you're a manager, you're probably going to spend about 63 to 67% of your day listening. And if you're an executive, up to 83% of your day is spent listening. And we've spent the 20th century learning how to speak. We've learned how to speak with influence and with power and conviction and all these other words. And I think the leadership hack of the 21st century is learning how to listen because you're spending half your day doing it. And how many of us have been in work in progress meetings where we come back at the next weekly meeting or the next monthly meeting and people turn to each other and said, oh, is that what you meant by that task that I had to complete? No, I haven't because they weren't listening the first time the task was allocated. Maybe the task wasn't delegated well either, but the cost of not listening in the workplace, at home, in our relationships is huge. It creates confusion, it creates conflict, it creates chaos in some cases. So just the listening if we just remember that listening is our birthright, mm -hmm. at 20 weeks in our mother's womb, we learn to distinguish not only the sound of our mother's voice, but we could listen to the differences in what our mother's voice and sound is compared to anybody else. Mm. And then at the age of 32 weeks, we can distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi, from <laughs> Beaver. So, you know, even before we're born, our the first thing we learn is how to listen, not just to hear noises, but how to listen. And the minute we're born, our very act of birth is to come into the world kicking and screaming and making noise. That's how we know we're alive. Yeah. But we don't stop. We spend the rest of our life trying to talk to get noticed. And yet, if we just go back to our birthright, some of the most potent ways you can be noticed is just by listening. Some of the most influential things you can do sometimes is just to listen. Yeah, you're making me think about how often uh, we talk about how can I cut through the noise? <laughs> and often the the instinct is, well, I have to make more noise, or I have to make different noise. And the answer might be, I have to be quiet. You know, I need to listen, I need to step back, not try to compete with the noise, but try to counteract it in some way. Yeah. Oh, one of the simplest tips I can give people is I remember I was, I was speaking at an event in a big auditorium. I think it was like about 2,000 people in there. I talk about a piece of research that comes out of Canada in 1993 that interviewed uh, 412 people who were paired. And basically, they had a whole bunch of devices connected to them to measure their brain waves and also to measure their oxygen levels as well. And the finding of the survey was really simple. And it was really obvious once you hear it, the deeper you breathe, 
the deeper you listen. And most of us aren't even conscious of how we breathe, let alone how the speaker breathes. Mm -hmm. And what they learned was that the most productive conversations had the highest oxygen levels in them. And of the range of the most productive conversations, there were two particular conversations that were seen by the speaker and the listener to be the most productive and they had actually synchronized their breathing. <laughs> and somebody came up to me at the end of this presentation, just before the lunch break I was presenting, and she said to me, oh my God, when I realized I had to sit through your session, I just thought, what a complete waste of time. But you know, Oscar, when you said the deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen, I thought, well, I'm stuck here listening to this guy drone on about listening. So I figured I'm a prisoner, I'm stuck, I'm going to practice this breathing stuff that he's going on about. And I said, oh, so what, what happened? She said, the most amazing things started to happen for me. And I said, which was? And she said, I could hear the air conditioning. I could hear somebody's phone buzzing three seats down. But more importantly, I could hear myself think. And then after a minute, I realized I was actually listening to you. <laughs> and for a lot of us, we think listening starts with listening to the speaker. And it's the wrong place to start. It's a handy place to start. But if your foundation of listening means you've got all this story and noise in your head and you're not available to listen, the first person you have to listen to is you. And then if you're available to listen, you'll be a productive listener for that person who's speaking right in front of you at that moment. So it was a great lesson for me to know that there are people in the audience who think I just drone on about breathing. <laughs> it's humbling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I got a text message from her about three months afterwards. She says, wow, my husband's quite amazing. And I said, oh, what's changed? And she says, well, I've just started to listen to him instead of making stories in my head about what he's going to tell me next. And um, if, if you're a great listener, those skills will jump across the workplace as well as your home life as well. Yeah. What a great gift that that audience member gave you in coming up with that, <laughs> that sharing so, so personally her experience. Yeah. Mm. You don't need a thousand studies to tell you something very important that that one woman shared with you. And what you're talking about, uh, you know, I want to circle back to the, we learn how to talk, we learn how to speak up, but we don't necessarily formally learn how to listen to someone else. And because of that, or, you know, because of lots of reasons, maybe, we can fall into some pretty bad listening habits. And in your book, you describe there are four, at least four, but you, you highlight four bad listening habits. And I saw myself at different times falling into each and every one. And I say that as someone who basically you could say I listen for a living as a coach. Mm. Um, so even though I've been, you know, very consciously working on it, there's even when you try, you can still fall into bad habits. So uh, number one, that's an invitation for everyone to be compassionate with themselves <laughs> <laughs> as you're listening to this and uh, know that even those of us who are uh, paid to listen sometimes can fall into bad habits. But what are some of the unhealthy listening habits that we want to be most aware of? 
Yeah, we we talk about the four villains of listening, Beth. We we did a piece of proprietary research with 1,410 people in a database that we're tracking their progress on their listening and how they're improving their listening. And one of the things we did out of the research was to notice and ask them what gets in their way when it comes to listening. And we found that there were these four villains of listening and the four villains of listening um, are kind of like the evil counterpart to the superheroes of listening as well. And I spent a lot of time writing about the heroes of listening. Nobody cared. (laughs) And the minute I wrote about the villains, these four villains of listening, um, people leant forward. People were really engaged. People go, yeah, once you told me about that, Oscar, that was tattooed on my brain. So the four listening villains are, and think about the worst listener you know, Beth, and for you listening, think about the worst listener you know and try and see where they fit into these four villains of listening. The first villain is the dramatic listener. They love listening to your story. It gives them a theatre to play on. No matter how poor your boss is, when they listen to you, they're going to tell you a story straight away about how their boss was worse. If you're going through a tough merger in your organization, they're going to tell you about an even tougher merger. Or if you've got a friend who's struggling with a child or a spouse, they're going to tell you about a dramatic incident where theirs was even more difficult than yours. And the dramatic listener loves your conversation because it gives them a theater to play on and they just love being in the spotlight. Drama is the center of their world. So the dramatic listener is one of the four villains of listening. The next one is the one that most people notice. Um, It's the interrupting listener. The minute you draw breath is their commercial break to jump in and give you their opinion. They're actually quite engaged in your conversation and they're really impatient. They really want to get to the resolution as quickly as possible. So their intention is good. It's just their execution takes a bit of work to do. The next one is the lost listener. The lost listener is distracted before the conversation. They may be somebody who's been invited to a team meeting at work and not quite sure why they've been invited, but they're polite and they turn up and they turn up and they spend the first 15 minutes saying to themselves, if I just listen to this conversation, I'm sure I can figure out why I'm meant to be here. Equally, these are people who are easily distracted either by their cell phone, their iPads, their computers, and they're generally considered vague listeners when it comes to that. And then finally, the last one, the shrewd listener. The shrewd listener is listening carefully to your conversation. They're nodding knowingly. They're giving you great eye contact. There's great verbal affirmations like, "Mm mm-hmm, and tell me more. But what's going through their head is, (laughs) you think that's your problem? I've already thought about three problems you haven't thought about, and I've already solved that problem. So will you hurry up and catch up with me? Because I'm an expert. Disproportionately represented in support functions such as legal, human resources, accounting, anybody who's an expert disproportionately represented in the sales professions and the consulting professions. Most coaches, (laughs) Beth, are the shrewd listener. I know. I read that and I was like, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so for me, listening situational and relational, and I'm not a perfect listener. So at home, I'm the lost listener, and at work, I'm the shrewd listener. But I'm conscious of that, so I've got a few hacks to kind of get around it. But while you are listening and thinking about the worst listener you know, Beth, which which villain came up for you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think the interrupting is one that I, I, I'm thinking of somebody specifically. And yeah, it's, it's very frustrating to have a conversation with someone who is impatient and jumping in and finishing sentences. Um, I will admit that I think when my, my husband and I first got together, I think I was an interrupter. Uh-huh. And what I've heard, and I'm curious if you've heard this as well, and I don't know the source of it, but they said that women tend to do that whole, like, finish your sentences thing because women see it as like, I get you, I'm bonding. And so women do it with each other. And then if they do it to a man, it ends up not landing very well. (laughs) Yeah. So keep this in mind. Men listen to fix and women listen to feel. Yeah. And makes sense for the men in the audience. Stop trying to fix the women. They're not broken. You don't need to fix them. So just listen to them. You'll be surprised what you hear if you let them finish the sentences without coming up with solutions. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if it's got to do with um, that you felt in that conversation when you were first dating, but it was probably the interruption that wasn't necessarily landing. Mm-hmm. I think it depends. Uh, we say listening is situational and relational. I think further into a relationship um, those kind of conversations might have been more productive with your husband at, and not necessarily that he was at that stage. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a life cycle in a communication flow that, yeah, sometimes those things aren't necessarily things that are productive. The funny thing is, Beth, the listening villain that you related to the most mm-hmm. and for you listening, the listening villain that you were thinking about, the one that really frustrates you, unfortunately, That's your dominant (laughs) listening style. Yeah. So you can only notice really well in others what you can access in yourself. Yeah. So let's chat about what are the antidotes to the Superman's kryptonite in in this case? How how can we we just do some really simple things that can help us no matter which listening villain we are? Here's three simple things to do. Number one, deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. Now, I'm not advocating that the workplace or home life becomes a a meditation tent that you're spending time sitting cross-legged and breathing deeply. But I will suggest this. This is just a little ritual that um, I used and many sales professionals that I presented at conferences say, this is the simplest hack you've ever provided, Oscar. The minute you walk into a building, be that your home, or the lobby of a building. So let's just use the lobby of the building for a company. Switch your phone to flight mode. Breathe three times, but deliberately through your nose, down your lungs, right down to your diaphragm, and then exhale through your mouth three times. By the way, you can do this in a lift or an elevator and nobody will notice you're doing it. So don't be so self-conscious about it. But just breathe three times. And by the time you've done that, you'll have this different sense of clarity. I won't say you'll have amazing clarity, but the people who I've spoken to who've used this technique just go, wow, well, when I walk into reception to announce myself, I'm really fresh. 
And at that point, I say set the intention that you want from the conversation with whoever you're meeting. At reception, they'll say to you, welcome. They may offer you tea or coffee. I, I always encourage people to grab a glass of water at that point for them and also ask that for the people in the room. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. The brain uses 26% of the blood sugars in the body with only being 5% of the body mass. So if we can hydrate the brain, it'll be much more effective in functioning around listening. And uh, make sure you offer that glass of water to your guest as well. Not the same one. Hopefully they've got their own glass. <laughs> and uh, similarly for them, a hydrated brain will be a listening and more effective brain for them in, in those kinds of conversations. And then whilst you're in the meeting, if you do choose to take notes, make sure your notes are graphical notes and not verbatim notes. By verbatim, I mean writing literally words out. When I spoke to the world four-time memory champion, Boris Conrad, who just happens to be a German neuroscientist, so he's kind of got some advantages over other people. <laughs> he said, one of the things you want to do is make sure that even if it's a kindergarten style of graphic, it doesn't matter as long as you make sense of it. Only write notes that help you make meaning of the conversation and, and makes meanings of the actions. And he said, for one hour conversation, typically you'd, you'd only sketch out three or four things. But this thing that he said next was the most powerful. If you're writing down verbatim notes, whether you're typing them or scribing them, whether you're doing that analog or digital, it doesn't matter. Most people, while they're writing down these words, are saying the words in their head. And as they're doing that, they're shutting down the auditory cortex of the brain which is a fancy way of saying you can't listen. Hmm. So if you can, write graphical notes and uh, make sure the notes are about the meaning that they're making and you're making and maybe one or two notes around action. As a result of that, more of your mind will be available to actually listen. Notice if you want to go for a triple word score, if you're a Scrabble player or you're in overtime and you want to go for the bonus shot, if you're a sporty person, Try and start to notice their breathing, not just yours. Is their breathing deep or is their breathing shallow? And that will give you a completely different way to connect to their state. Because if you notice the change in their breathing, you'll help them notice the change in their thinking much better as well. So those three simple practical tips, turn your devices into flight mode, drink water, and take graphical notes, that will transform you as a listener. There are many other fancy pants things <laughs> you can get if you go and visit listeningmyths.com um, to take you up all the five levels of listening. But you know what, Beth? 86% of people in our database around this research are stuck at level one mm -hmm. uh, just with distraction, focus, and attention. That's the biggest barrier to their listening. And I'm guessing that's why the airplane mode, because <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, walking into a building and you said, I was hearing an emphasis on the breathing. And then as you were repeating, you emphasize the airplane mode. So when it comes to distractions, it sounds like we really need to be um, very deliberate and rather probably I, I don't the word strict with ourselves but disciplined or you know like it's tempting to say oh i'll just put it in my back pocket i won't turn it off mm. 
And is that good enough? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if, for me, I literally switch it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my mindset is really simple. The most important thing I can give the person that I'm speaking to next is my complete and undivided attention. And in a world of distraction, in a world of deficits, of attention, what an amazing gift to give the other person. But more importantly for me, if I give them my complete time, the time I spend with them won't be a waste of my time because for a lot of us, we don't value our time. If it's important enough to have the conversation, it's important enough to switch that phone off. Now, research, unfortunately, is also telling us now, even for people who switch their phones off, they get these things called phantom vibrations. I've heard this, yes. (laughs) Yeah, which they think they're getting a message or a phone call, Mm -hmm. and it's not happening. The thing we all need to be aware of is that the apps industry has learned from the slot machine industry. The slot machine industry is very good at taking people's attention away from what they're literally doing, putting more money into a slot machine and just doing it robotically. I'm not saying mobile devices and the app economy is bad. I'm just saying be choiceful about you using it rather than it using you. So give every person you are in a room with your complete and undivided attention. You'll get more done in much less time because you won't have confusion, because you weren't paying attention. More importantly, they couldn't say what they needed to say because you only got one opinion from them. You only got the first 125 words in their head and the other 900 were stranded on a desert island screaming out, saying, here's the answer. Will you just listen to me? Yeah. Are you familiar with the book, The Coaching Habit? Yes. So that's what comes up for me. And for me, anyway, it highlights the um, genius, perhaps, of the way those coaching habit conversations start out, which is what's on your mind and then asking what else. Yeah. That what else is genius from Michael mm-hmm. and uh, use what else, tell me more. If you're really in a good relationship with somebody, you can just pause. You can just use silence. Using the silence, silence will do the heavy lifting for you if you're in relationship. If you're not in a relationship, meaning you haven't spent a lot of time with somebody, it would be tell me more, what else these kind of simple questions, but you will notice, Beth, you see it, their state changes. They take a deep breath in, their shoulders go back, and as they say the next thing, which is what they mean to say, the thing that's really important, they kind of exhale the whole answer for you. Mm -hmm. But if your face is in a device, you can't see that happening. You're going, I'm awesome at multitasking. Mm, That's true if you're driving a car, but it's not true if you're simultaneously trying to do highly complex cognitive tasks. And there's no shortage of evidence to say multitasking in the modern economy. We've moved from the information economy to the imagination economy, and it's really critical now that we're fully present because genius is going to pass us by if we're too busy looking at, quite frankly, what's in your phone is completely irrelevant. If you really believe that humans matter in that moment, the most important thing you can give them is your attention. 
Well, on that note, Oscar, I think we'll come to a close because I can't think of anything more perfect to end on. (laughs) So thank you for giving us this very tip of the iceberg view of, uh, because I know that there's a whole lot more that we could be diving into. But I hope that listeners are taking away something that uh, they can put into practice right away. And I love your tips there about airplane mode, hydrating your brain and your body and taking notes graphically as some ways to start with your deeper listening when you're with others. So where can people learn more about you and your work and deep listening? Uh, Simplest place, just visit listeningmyths.com and you'll be able to download the five myths of listening and that'll start you on your journey uh, to move from distracted to a deep listener. I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world, Beth. (laughs) And I'm really grateful that today you and those listening have made an amazing contribution to that because in listening, we can change the world. Absolutely. I want to really quickly, (laughs) you have a podcast as well, don't you? I have a podcast called Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. We interview professional and personal listeners, experts in their field, judges, air traffic controllers, journalists in a professional setting, palliative care nurses, deaf interpreters, foreign language interpreters in a personal setting. And they all provide great hacks in how to listen in their various environments. And our promise to you is no matter Which one you listen to, you'll get three really simple hacks that you can apply immediately, as we just talked about, like the water, like the graphic notes and flight mode. Those three things are the things that you can apply immediately, because if we can make simple habits uh, embedded and sustainable, uh, we'll be able to move up the progression of listening through the five levels rather than just getting stuck at being distracted. Nice. Well, I'll make sure that there's a link to that on the episode webpage. And it's been a great pleasure chatting with you, Oscar. Thank you so much for your generosity and for taking time to both talk and listen. Beth, you've given me the greatest gift today. You've listened to me. Thanks for listening. My biggest takeaway is the reminder that giving people space to elaborate on their thoughts and asking them what else isn't just to be nice and polite. It's the way to get to the root and the truth of the matter. Think of whatever someone says first as a warm-up. It may or may not be the response or thought that is the most important to share. I've spent the last four months mentor coaching some leaders, and they're working on implementing the coaching habit paradigm that Oscar and I mentioned. So often, after they ask the initial question of their colleague during a coaching session of what's on your mind, they then forget to ask what else, and they tend to settle on focusing on whatever their colleague mentions first. And then they get to the last five minutes of their time together, and the colleague finally says, oh, and I really wanted to talk to you about X, but I don't think we'll have time to get into it. That makes the leader wonder if the time that they just spent talking about the first topic that came up was wasted, which is a really terrible feeling. Sometimes that strategy might be an intentional avoidance technique on the part of the other person. For instance, they'll just say, I'll just wait to bring it up until it's too late to really talk about it. And that way I can say that I mentioned it, but I get to put off having that conversation. But often it's not conscious, and it only takes a little bit of patience to dig down into what is really on the other person's mind. By sticking with what else just a little bit longer, it's likely to come out sooner. 
that might be temporarily uncomfortable for the person broaching the topic. After all, they're procrastinating and avoiding it for a reason. But ultimately, it serves everyone better since it puts the topic out on the table more quickly and directly. So my personal call to action is to stick with that exploration of what's most important a little bit longer. You know, to keep asking what else or some variation of that. And you're welcome to join me in that particular call to action if you like. And I have another call to action for you that is related to the four gremlins that Oscar mentioned. Notice as you listen to others what's blocking you from being fully present to them. Are you being shrewd and getting a few steps ahead of them, resulting in impatience? Are you interrupting them or finishing their sentences? Are you listening while also being distracted, looking over their shoulder, scanning your phone's texts, or mentally compiling your grocery list? Or are you listening only so you can respond with your own dramatic tale of woe, triumph, or embarrassment? For now. Just notice what habit you have, and if there are other certain people that you experience this with more than others. No matter where it shows up, there's definitely an opportunity to always take a deep breath, open your ears, and leave more space in the conversation. When in doubt, silence is a great antidote to any of those bad listening habits. Just be present and don't worry about what to say or do. Maybe say to yourself. Oops! There you go again, finishing their sentences. Or, oops! I see what you're doing. You're getting distracted by the cute dog walking by. You could also just admit what you're doing to the other person as a way to bring yourself back into the moment. I've been in conversation and gotten distracted before, and just decided to name it. That might sound like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I got sidetracked because I just remembered that I forgot to call the doctor this morning." We're only human, and by naming it, you can let it go and refocus your attention. Whatever your bad habit is, the first step to changing it is to recognize it and name it. Then you can shift to catching yourself in the moment and shifting back into a deep listening mode by taking that deep, intentional breath, turning yourself physically towards the other person, and telling the impulse you had, whether that's shrewdness, drama, distraction, or impatience. To take a back seat, and just a quick reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. Subscribe and leave a review. It's one way that you can bring more courageous conversations into the world. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me and Oscar for this conversation today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Music